the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and, of course, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, where if you're watching, you see a voice that you also get to see on TV, which is nice. NBC4's Adam Tuss is with us to discuss yet another angle to this story. And Adam, as you know, as well as anyone else, traffic and how all that's going to work is as important in D.C. as any aspect of any story, especially when you got major movement like this. So for those that don't know, Adam covers um, traffic and, and commutes and, and all these things uh, down to, you know, the Metro and, and all that for NBC4. Um, so when you hear this news about Monumental taking their teams from Virginia or from D.C. to Virginia and this new Potomac Yards Metro station and uh, all the traffic on Route 1, like where does your head go with all of this in, in terms of how it will affect people going to these games? Yeah, you know, the first thing that I thought of is how is this going to work? Because if you're familiar with Route 1 at all in Northern Virginia, you know, all of us have been to Reagan National Airport. You know what it's like coming off of 395, having to go across a bridge. Uh, Route 1 here in Northern Virginia and Alexandria, it already carries about 25,000 vehicles a day through rush hours. It's pretty slammed. Uh, the lights here aren't particularly well-timed. They've been trying to build a rapid bus network down the middle of Route 1, but that has got low ridership at this point in time. Um, and really, what everyone said today about this transportation plan that's going to go on here is they're putting all their hopes on one metro station, and it's the newest metro station, Potomac Yard. That is an infill station. And what that means is they basically just built this station above the tracks, right? So it's not like it was like, they dug into the ground, built this from you know the existing metro system. It was something that's been planned for a long time, but it's an infill station. So it doesn't necessarily have all the bells and whistles that you might need to support this kind of crush of people going at one particular point in time. I'm not saying it can't handle it. I'm just saying that normally when you design a metro station around something like this, it's got some things built into it to help help with, with massive crowds. And specifically, this particular metro station, I've, I've just taken a kind of quick look at the plans. There's like one entrance and one exit that's right next to the stadium. And if you've been to Nats Park, I mean, you know, you go up a Navy Yard and really there's there's really only one main entrance that people use there. You know what that's like. So think about like one one person who doesn't have their smart trip card, right? Or the line queues up and it's just like right. people are getting frustrated. Those are things that are going to have to be addressed. If if this all does pan out and you're putting all your hopes on one metro station, those are things you have to think about. When you think about like Gallery Place, right? When you think about where Capital One Arena is right now, one of the things that I've been thinking about with all of this is like, even if you didn't want to use Gallery Place, you could still use Metro Center, right? Which is a couple blocks away. You could go to uh, Mount Vernon Square and you could walk a couple of blocks. There's all these metro stations in downtown D.C. that you could eventually essentially use and then either walk or ride share or whatever you want to do. Here, that is not the case. It is going to be this one metro station. And if something goes wrong, you know, some track work or something happens with a train, <laughs> we're in big trouble. Wow. I That is... That is intense. The Metro card thing uh, just gave me like shivers also um, because as many people know, our station is located not too far from Nats Park and my show ends at seven o'clock. I am often the fish swimming upstream and all those yeah. people coming in to, yeah. uh, to, out of that one spot for Nats Park. Uh, the fact that the Nats weren't very good this year made that a little bit easier. 
but it's certainly a problem that I hope to have in more severity moving forward. Uh, come on, Nats, <laughs> let's rebuild this thing. Um, I also think it's pretty fascinating that they are already talking about like, oh, they, they would probably be like, oh, Adam, we know this. Like, that's why we're talking about expansion. But I'm also reading all these stories, including, you know, your reporting about how much trouble Metro is in right now. The, the kind of stuff that their CEO just proposed, like shutting down the tracks after 10 o'clock every night, cutting out 10 stations. How, like, how realistic is it for them to just be like, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. We'll build this thing up by the time 2028 opens or this arena opens in 2028. Yeah. Uh, Craig, let me let me let you in a little secret here. Metro says as part of this plan to close the $750 million budget gap for next year, by the way, that's only next yes. year the gap that they have to close that you mentioned they would close the 10 lowest ridership stations. Do you know which which one of those stations is the 10 lowest ridership stations? I'm going to guess Potomac Yards is uh, very high on that list. Potomac Yard is one of the lowest ridership stations at this point. Now, obviously, that would change if you put an arena here. But that's a nugget that we're going to start to to pull on. Like This is all stuff you have to think of. And, and the, the transportation sources that I've been talking to about this story today I would say we are at the very beginning of putting together a coordinated transportation plan for this area. Um, you know, I'll speak personally and just anecdotally, like mm -hmm. FedEx Field, however you feel about it, it's hard to get to. The metro station isn't right there. It's actually like half a mile away that you have to walk to after you get off. Um, if you if this becomes a thing where it's hard to get to, that will matter. People won't want to go. And so they're going to have to figure this out really quickly. I've been talking to a lot of people today who are like, yeah, we don't like there's not like a plan to build some sort of secret highway into here. There is plans for like an underground parking garage. Um, and there are plans to kind of retime some of the traffic signals along Route 1. But if this turns into a thing where it's really hard to get to, then you have that feeling of and, and again, however you feel about FedEx there are people who feel like it's just really hard to get to. And that's why they don't want to go there. Everyone feels like that about FedEx. <laughs> Even people that are like, ah, it's not that yeah, bad. Like I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to. Yeah. Be it's, kind. it sucks. I go there when there's no traffic after, because we, I do the pregame show and like, it still sucks to get there when I get to drive right in. Um, and you know, there's roads closed down and they have to reorganize traffic and everything. And yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's definitely a less, I mean, there obviously are like neighborhoods and stuff around, but um, I think it's a little bit different than some of the the brand new stuff that's just been built over in Alexandria. Yeah. And Again, let, me, let me say, yeah, really go ahead. You mentioned neighborhoods. Well, here in uh, in Alexandria, where this is all being built, I mean, people who are who are familiar with this area, you know, there's the Target, there's the Old Navy, and the Michael Target, which by the way is going to survive according to the plants. Well, it should. It's like I think it's like <laughs> one of the grossing targets, like in the whole Target <laughs> brand. So how do you just yeah. lose that? Um, but there are really when you talk about neighborhoods. This is going to be so interesting because they tried this here before, right? Like Jack Kent Cook tried to build a stadium here before, and the residents here basically defeated that plan. Well, there are like two neighborhood roads that connect to Route 1 and 395 here, and that's it. So where do you think all the traffic is going to come from from the highway? It's going to go right through these people's front yards. Um, and the, the community here is pretty vocal about, you know, what they want, what they don't want. Um, while all of this seems like it's a done deal, the more and more that I peel back layers of this, there are so many questions that have to be answered about how this is going to work. I'm not saying it, it can't work. I'm just saying there's a lot of questions that have to be worked. You know, Virginia just lost the FBI, right? So they're going to Greenbelt. That was a big story. 
Um, these are also political wins for people to be able to pull some of this stuff away. And there's tons of politics behind this right now. Yeah, definitely. Adam Tuss is with us, covers transportation for NBC4. Um, one of the things that I am intrigued by that I kind of think is just on a pure geographic sense, a little bit of overreaction is like the amount of DC and Maryland folks that are unwilling to go to Virginia. And um, as a millennial who has Instagram, I always do laugh at all of the memes. It's like, oh, you got to get your passport. Oh, I'm dating a guy. He's so far away. He's in <laughs> Arlington. It's like, ah, you have to cross the river. But it also, I also have been around this area since 2015, and I know it's real, even though I'm someone, because of the nature of my work, who travels all over the DMV, although I probably got nothing on you. That is literally part of your job is to travel yeah. all over the DMV. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of Virginia folks that won't go to Maryland, Maryland folks that won't go to Virginia, DC folks that are like, it's outside those boundary stones we just learned about thanks to the Wizards jerseys. I'm not going there. So <laughs> when you look at, like, the movement of people, and do you think that the, the crowds itself will be heavily affected um, and we might have to, we might have to go back and study the historical precedent of when the team moved from RFK to, to FedEx for this, yeah. but kind of that idea of we're talking about different groups of people that live different lives, all if they're in the same region and, or is it all overridden by the fact that if you're a basketball fan, you're going to go, if you're a hockey fan, you're going to go. Well, I hear, I heard an interesting comment actually on your station today. Um, I forget who said it, but, uh, to use the old cliche, they said, if you build it, they will come. Right. Like, so mm -hmm. Here's the thing. I, I mean, the territorial aspects that you're talking about are very real. We all know that in the DMV. Uh, Maryland and Virginia, I would say, probably have the two biggest beefs with one another. And, uh, you know, everyone kind of shares the district or whatever. And D.C. people just don't want to go anywhere. So that's <laughs> which is fine. But I think ultimately, I mean, it comes down to them putting a good product out there. Right. Like what have the yeah. Wizards, what, what have the Wizards been? They've been abysmal. Like who? And so like. Are you giving people a reason to travel to watch that? I mean, the Capitals, I would say, well, the Capitals are basically already here, right? They, they practice in Arlington. So they already have a footprint in Northern Virginia. Um, so I think that, you know, just from what I see, I live in Northern Virginia. So I, I know that there's a lot of Capitals fans around here to see if you would now gain this new fan base of Wizards fans who previously might not have wanted to go into the city. I think that would be interesting too. But what does it mean for someone you know, from Rockville, do they want to come all the way down here? Because you're taking that ride on the Metro. That's, you know, that's a long way to get down here. If we got time for one more, I got one more on that yeah, front. Go for it. So the, you have undoubtedly studied, I'm making an assumption here, but undoubtedly as someone who covers transportation, you've studied how traffic has changed since the pandemic. Yep. And I think so much of this is, is happening because of the change of downtown DC due to the pandemic. And so, you know, we had on the show earlier today an economics professor who talked about there's not really like because hybrid work and everything is so new, it's hard to know if the model of putting that was really started with Camden Yards in 1992 of putting a stadium in a business district with the idea that people would go after work is dead because hybrid work is so new. As someone who's looked at these traffic patterns and looked at how people move around throughout their days. Do you have any thoughts on on that element that maybe a suburban stadium is a better idea now than it would have been in 2019? Well, I think you've seen it in the district itself, right? I think that there are all these other contributing factors that are bleeding into this. And, you know, I mean, you might say whatever you want about crime. There is that perception that said some parts of Gallery Place have gotten unsafe. A lot of that is because our federal workforce isn't going back at, at the full capacity and full tilt. Um, that they once were, you know, Metro ridership is still about half of what it was pre-pandemic. 
They're down wow. thousands of trips per day. Um, I will say traffic itself in terms of vehicular traffic, that seems to be coming back, but now it seems to be spread out over the entire. In other words, you know, you might have a lot more people working remotely who are going to run errands or picking up kids or doing any of that kind of stuff. Um, I, I've seen studies that our region, the DMV and San Francisco, were the two biggest telework communities in the entire country. And that really has stuck. So maybe there is a case to say, you know, a suburban model, a suburban, uh, a suburban uh, stadium works here um, because people don't have the same commuting patterns. And I can say for sure, you know, the federal government hasn't been called back to go back to their offices full time yet. So that pattern, that travel pattern that we were all used to pre-pandemic, it has not, it has not come back to the way that it was before. Um, so there might be something to suggest that, that that would work here. But realistically, I mean, I covered when they had to retrofit Navy Yard and the metro station there, which, I mean, you probably remember what Navy Yard used to look like before the ballpark was there. You know, it was a ghost town. Yeah. Um, you know, I covered when they had to retrofit that station because of the crush of people that they were expecting here. We won't know how all of this works until it goes into effect. But I, I will say this, they better come up with some good plans because as it is right now, this will not work. Very well put. Uh, Adam Tuss, NBC4, covers transportation. The Metro ridership thing is crazy to me. And I think also is a huge factor here because yeah. it was so easy to get to Gallery Place and, and yeah. Capital One by Metro. I mean, still is and will be until 2028, but yeah. I guess you go there starting in 2028. It's <laughs> not going to be a game to watch. Uh, Adam, thanks so much. Uh, we look forward to your reporting uh, on this uh, throughout the next couple of days, yeah. weeks, and probably months, it sounds like. Yeah, and a lot of reporting coming up on NBC4 tonight. Plug for our, our station. There we go. Yes, of course. Of course. Uh, keep watching that NBC4 and uh, you know if you, uh, the reporting uh, from earlier in the day as well, NBC4.com. Adam, thank you. Thanks. All right, that is Adam Tuss with us here on The Hoffman Show. When we get back, uh, we will recap some of uh, the thoughts that I started the show with. Uh, obviously, a lot of you guys, I don't know, maybe some of you are listening and you have been since the very start of things, but uh, I'm guessing most of you weren't listening at 4 o'clock, so I'll recap some of my high-level thoughts on this, and then uh, we'll wrap up the show with real things real people said in real microphones as well. And I still need to tell – I haven't because we've we've just been doing, uh, obviously, the biggest news all day. Um, but I still need to tell my story about jury duty yesterday. So we'll get to that coming up as well. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, for the first time today, Anthony Haney. You haven't, you haven't spoken to a microphone all day. You haven't been on camera all day. Keeping keeping you from the people. I'm so sorry. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm all right. You know, things are Take, things. Taking in this uh, wild show where we're talking about economics and uh, districting and uh, all kinds of stuff that is not your typical uh, Wednesday sports show. By the way. I'm going to say, I actually accidentally Freudian slip said commanders like in the first segment. Haven't mentioned them basically since. Like, Has that been we are in the middle of December. <laughs> there are four games left in the season. And it was not even worth my time today to mention them outside of this. Crazy. What a relief, huh? Kind of. Some, I'm glad we have something else to talk about. Okay. 
And honestly, uh, good to kind of spend the rest of the week on this. Game this weekend's whatever. Uh, news news item, commanders cut Danny Johnson because they signed a guy who Baltimore drafted in the fifth round who they had put on their practice squad. Um, who, by the way, I've actually been on an airplane with before. I'm pretty sure it's the same kid. Um, when we flew to Vegas this summer, there's a kid on our flight that had like, I was like, that's an, that's the backpack they gave out at the combine. Was able to look it up and could refine out of BWI. Sure enough, Kai Blue Kelly, who was uh, from Las Vegas, was I guess going home. And he was on our flight. There you go. Um, I'll tell the jury duty story before real things. Um, the conversation with Tuss was super interesting to me, Anthony. Because I and like doing a little bit more reading as well as the day has gone on, as the show has gone on, I don't think this thing's done. I know we've been talking about it all day like it has been done, and it probably will get done. I guess I still think there's a really good chance. You don't hold that kind of press conference if you're not fairly confident that most of the major stakeholders are good. But, yo, they are going to fight tooth and nail in Alexandria against this. I, I and, and I do think that there's going to be major backlash within D.C. as well. People are really upset. Um, I mean, I'm talking people like who have run for office, who are in office, um, luminaries and key business stakeholders like Jose Andres. You know, Jose Andres was talking earlier today about like, you know, I opened Haleo in 1993 and a couple of years later there came the MCI center and, you know, please don't take away the arena. I still think there could be a great opportunity for DC without that arena there, no matter what arena or not caps and wizards or not. Um, Cause obviously Ted wants to keep the arena there um, and just do other stuff, uh, concerts, whatever. It's imperative that DC reimagines the area. It's imperative that they do something different. It can't be a dead business district. It's got to be a place that people live, work, or play, or some combination of two of the three. And I don't think work is feasible anymore. Like, I just don't think with the way that companies are operating now, commercial real estate, it's just not worth it. Like, I, remote work is saving companies money. Because, and it's saving, like, it's better for families. It's better for individuals. I mean, we, I know I actually wound up doing the show from my home studio today. Um, that was a pure timing thing, the way some of our taping was. And then there actually was traffic. And I was like, I'm not going to make it on time. I guess I'm staying home. Um, but, like, typically I lose 45 minutes a day commuting. And that's, I live very convenient to my office. There's people that lose three hours a day commuting when they could be being productive for their job or doing things in their life that allow them to be more productive for their job elsewhere. It's not like businesses are failing. Like corporations all over the place are making record profits. Like, it's fine. We're in 2023. We don't have to work like we did in the 1970s. Are there things that are lost? Sure. Um, you know, office culture and some of which was good and some of which is terrible. Like some of it's good. Like, Go talk to go talk to a, a a female professional and ask how psyched they are. It worked at like a big spot. Ask them how psyched they are to not have to go to work and be harassed by the terrible men in their office. Just reality. And so, I think at the end of the day, like you take what is a dead business district through nobody's fault and turn it into a place where people live hopefully in affordable housing, not in more luxury condos. We got enough of those in DC. 
And it's a great opportunity for the city to like get their stuff in order and do better. Um, so we'll see. Um, but I do think from the team side of it, from the wizards and from the fan side of it, I'm extremely sad because, and, and frankly angry that, um, Ted who is trying to take his company public had enough money is trying to buy the nationals had enough money to buy out NBC sports, Washington, and is in business with the Qataris now and is like taking sovereign wealth fund money, which is his prerogative is then like, I'm leaving because the city that is having all kinds of budget constraints and metros about to get dilapidated and our education system needs an overhaul. They won't give me billionaire $600 million. I'm going to Virginia. Wah. Wah. Lose me with that. I'll tell my jury duty story and we'll, story and we'll get out of here with uh, real things now. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Wrapping up on what has been a crazy day. Um, all of our interviews are available on demand. Hoffman Show podcast. Um, I think they're all up on my YouTube page. I might have to publish one of them, actually. Uh, but Adam Tuss, NBC4 on the transportation side and why that could sink this entire project uh, that Ted Leonsis has embarked on. Uh, the framework for an agreement is the official terminology right now. Um, so we will uh, obviously continue to follow this, and uh, we'll talk to Jim Van Stone either tomorrow. I also proposed Friday, uh, Anthony. We're going to be at Capital One Arena on Friday. So we were supposed to talk to Jim at 4.30, and uh, we, we couldn't do that because our phones took a dive. Uh, but that's okay. The COO of Monumental Sports will join us either tomorrow or in person at Capital One on Friday. So we'll uh, we'll figure out those logistics and obviously keep you everybody in the loop on social media on that. But um, our chat with Clinton Yates, our chat with um, you know uh, one of the world's leading economists, um, Andy Zabalas, on all things sports and media. Or sorry, sports and economics uh, and, and all of the different economic angles of this. Um, that's coming up tonight or, coming, or uh, is available, I should say, now on demand on YouTube, uh, on our podcast feed, in the Rewind and the Odyssey app. Uh, so it's all of those places. Okay, so story time. I had jury duty yesterday. And Anthony, that S was stressful. Cartito. I, I was trying to think, I was like, I'm just going to say it this way. I wasn't going to cuss. Don't worry. I don't know why I was so nervous. I, my, like my nervous system was on the fritz the whole time. And it got to the point that it was warranted. Um, but I did not want to sit on a jury. Um, it's just something that from a timing perspective and really a responsibility perspective, I don't want to deal with. It's a, it's something that. I got so nervous and was such a mess about it. Like during, and I was texting Rachel, uh, my wife during, and she's like, I think you should probably like try to unpack why this was so disconcerting for you, because this is not a normal stress response to this kind of thing. Like you're going to have to sit on a jury. It's fine. And if, you know, if you miss a couple of days of work, like it's unfortunate, I know you're busy and this is a little, did I know how bad it would have been to miss today? Um, a historic day in, in DC sports, but, like, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything. These, you're a citizen and this is what you got to do. But 
as the day went, as just I so basically what happens is you show up at the court, you check in, and you go to what they call the juror lounge, which is a gigantic room. Eventually, so that was like at eight o'clock. By the time I, I get in the juror lounge, I've been waiting in line for an hour. It's nine o'clock. I actually was reading Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, uh, the Nike founder. I've never read that book. I've always heard it's amazing. Um, and I was like, you know what? Let's grab this. I got like halfway through. Can confirm. Book's amazing. Um, but I, in the first group that they call, they, they call a panel of over six, about 60 people. And then from there, you go into a courtroom. And I was the fourth person in that selected. So when we walk down into the courtroom uh, and then have to go through uh, the process, like the vetting process for that particular case, I'm sitting in like one of the juror chairs. And I'm like, I don't know if this means that like they've got to pass on me and replace me. Or are they going to interview all of us and then decide? And this just happens to be where I sit. I don't know. We'll see. And so answer my, they called the, uh, they're called voir dire questions. And I was like, yes, I have been a victim of a crime. My bike has been stolen twice. Yes. I do have close family that are lawyers. Um, and then no to a bunch of other questions. And then they send us on lunch and I was like, okay, come back, get back at two o'clock, wait another, it's supposed to be like three o'clock, three o'clock passes, still nothing about three ten. The judge is like, turns off the, they had like this, this white noise that they play in the room. So like you couldn't hear other people answering those questions. And then like when you went up, they gave you a pair of headphones and you spoke into a microphone and yada, yada. And, uh, turns off the white noise and is like, okay, uh, now we're gonna like decide basically. And he dismissed, they, they had only gotten through like 45, 48 of the people. And so like numbers 48 through 64 just sat there all day, never got interviewed and left. And I was like, well, damn, I knew that being number four sucked. And by the way, um, right when they answered the questions, numbers one through three, all the people to my right got dismissed. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm still under consideration. And they might've had like hardships where they, you know, childcare or whatever, like this is a bad time. And then they have to go up and sign up for another day. So they might have their day another day. But sure enough, go through the process. And now all of a sudden they've replaced the people to my right. And you know, with jurors like 16 through 19 and they start, they start calling people and I'm like, oh, this is it. And they jurors 16 through 19 to my right or whatever numbers they were dismiss, dismiss, dismiss. They skip over me. Everyone to my left gets sent. So I'm the only person remaining on the first row of the initial people. And I'm like, oh no, I'm about to get selected. And they keep going and they keep going. And at this point I've texted Rachel. I'm like, oh no, like I didn't say, oh no, you can figure out what I said. Um, I was like, oh, you know what? Like I've been selected like this. I'm going to have to sit on this jury. Like I'm going to be off of work the next couple of days. I'm not going to be back until Monday. This is terrible. Like I can't believe this is happening. And then they circle back and pull two more people out of the gallery and pull me and one other person back out. And they send me to the audience and my whole body relaxed. I was stressed. And again, I don't know why jury duty is important. Civic responsibility. I just, I didn't want to do it involuntarily. 
And I got out of there so fast when they dismissed us. And I was like, oh, okay. But the stress of just sitting there, basically getting skipped over, like, oh, I definitely just got picked. That was, and then the relief of like, just kidding. I don't know why they skipped over me. I don't know why they did in that order. But Anthony, I hated it until the end. Yeah, I think I would have panicked a little bit too. I'm not going to lie. Looking around, the, the room is slowly but steadily, you know, emptying out. Everyone on my row is gone. I would have just charged to the game. Well, that's me. And then. I, and like, I was ready. <laughs> that was the thing. Like, I was like, all right, I have to embrace this to get myself to like calm down. I have yeah. to be like, you know what? I'm going to be on a jury. Yep. It's okay. It's fine. Mm -hmm. it, this, this is what it is. Like, you didn't do anything wrong. And by the, like, I accepted it. I was bummed, but I accepted it. And then they're like, ha ha, now that you accepted it, get on out of here, bucko. That's all it took, man. And then, then I was gone. <laughs> uh, do we have time for real things? Uh, we got we a little like time. Out of show. Okay, uh, here we go. Quick real things today. Real things. We're not going to be this year. Real people. Five and 11, not very good. Set into real microphones. You know, the culture is actually damn good. All right, Anthony, I don't have any list in front of me, so you tell me what you want to play and play it. Uh, okay. Uh, do you have like, was... Yusuf Nurkic on Draymond? Yeah, I can do that one. Okay, so Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic got punched in the face by Draymond Green last night. This is what he said afterwards. I was behind the play. <laughs> I don't think what's going on with him, I don't know. Personally, I feel like that brother needs the help. You know, I'm glad he not trying to choke me, but at the same time, and nothing to do with basketball, man. Like, I'm just out there trying to play basketball, you know, they're swinging. I think we saw that often, but um, hope he, you know, whatever he got in his life will get better. So. It's pretty, actually, kind of classy by Yusuf Nurkic. And Draymond did apologize. He's like, you know, I won't apologize for things I meant to do. I didn't mean to hit him. But that's the problem for Draymond. It's like Draymond needs to care more whether he hits people. Yeah. Whether it's un intentional or not. And this one looked way more intentional than a lot of the other ones that I've defended him on. <laughs> but, like, you've got to be in more control. Um, we'll do a bunch of stuff tomorrow. Uh, thanks for listening to Hoffman Show. Wizards basketball is next.